Thanks, Pastor Jeff. Worship team, it's always good to sing together. Good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning as we begin our time in God's Word. Let me pray. Father, uh, you're so good and faithful to us. What incredible words we just sang, that we can have no guilt in life and no fear in death by the power of Christ in us. And may each one of us here this morning know that power, the power of forgiveness, the power of reconciliation, the power of redemption through the blood of Christ. As we open your word, we ask that uh, your spirit will convict our hearts, that you'll open our eyes, that the words that I bring will not be mine, but that they'll be yours this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, who comes to mind when you hear the phrase, faithful friend? Maybe a spouse, a best friend, college roommate, a mentor. Growing up, uh, some of my friends would call me Samwise Gamgee. And honestly, I had no idea what that meant uh, until I went to college and I finally watched The Lord of the Rings. Now, if you've seen The Lord of the Rings or you've read the books, uh, you know exactly who I'm talking about. If you haven't, let me fill you in. Samwise was nothing special. He's just a hobbit from the Shire. He had no special power, no special gift. He was just a gardener. But he did have something special to give, the gift of friendship, particularly to the main protagonist in the story, Frodo. And Frodo had this incredible responsibility to to carry the ring to be destroyed at Mount Doom. And Samwise accompanied Frodo on this entire journey, and it was filled with obstacles and challenges all along the way. And Frodo said this before they left, "'It would be the death of you to come with me, Sam, and I could not have borne that.'" Well, Samwise replied, I know that well enough, Mr. Frodo, and I'm coming with you. Once they got to the base of the mountain, the weight of the ring was too much for Frodo to bear, but Samwise still had the drive to continue, and he said this, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. If you've seen the movie, you remember that scene as Samwise throws Frodo over his shoulders and trudges up the mountain. Samwise is the definition of a faithful friend. Right, a friend that is with us until the end, that's faithful until death. It's faithful even when we're not. And the truth is, you and I have this innate desire to have a friend just like Samwise. That's always encouraging. That's never negative. That's faithful when we're not. That's faithful towards us even until death. Even when the going gets tough, even when we can't go on any longer having a friend that is still at our side. That's a good and God-given desire. Because the truth is, we don't just want friends, we need friends. Now, extroverts might need a ton of friends, introverts might need a couple of friends, but we all need friends, and God created that desire inside of us. We were not made to live a life of isolation. And as Christians, God's given us this incredible gift of one another. I mean, just look around the room today. There are literally hundreds of potential friends. And I believe this old adage is true, that no man is poor who has friends. So as we look at the book of Proverbs this morning, these short, memorable sayings are going to provide some great insight on what it looks like to develop deep and meaningful relationships with one another. The desire to have a friend like Samwise Gamgee is a really good thing. But the truth is, if we want to have faithful friends, we need to be a faithful friend. 
So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be bouncing around a little bit this morning throughout the book, but we're going to start in chapter 13, verse 20. And as you're turning there, let me get us caught up to speed a little bit on the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, it was written mostly uh, by King Solomon. And if you were here with us last week, Pastor Jeff talked about how Solomon gained his wisdom. Remember, God gave Solomon a -a make-a-wish, and in his discernment as a young man, Solomon asked the Lord, for wisdom. And today, you and I still get to benefit from the profound wisdom of this man as we look at the book of Proverbs. Now, a proverb is a short and memorable saying that's applicable to just about any area of life. And you and I understand the verbiage of a proverb because we have them in our language today. A penny saved is a penny earned. Or an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Now, if I fail to eat an apple today, does that mean that I'll end up at the emergency room tomorrow? No, it doesn't. But we have to understand the underlying principle. If we eat healthy today, will we end up at the doctor tomorrow? Probably not. Because a proverb is something that's true at least half the time, and it applies to many different areas of life. Now, within the book of Proverbs, there's only a couple of sections that are cohesive. Otherwise, when we Look at the book of Proverbs, we'll pick a theme like friendship, and then we'll search for all the relevant passages on the topic. And that's why we'll be bouncing around a little bit this morning. And we're going to start in chapter 13, verse 20. So if you're there with me, follow along as I read Proverbs 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Another passage is similar a couple pages farther in chapter 22. Verses 24 and 25, Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 say, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. These two Proverbs are saying something similar, that it's imperative that we choose our friends wisely. In other words, we become our closest friends. Over time, we start picking up the attitudes, the nuances, the behaviors of the people that we spend the most time time with. And you know, this can be both a good thing and a bad thing. Um, A good thing, good example. A couple weeks ago, a month ago, I got married and my wife Hannah is from Minnesota, which means naturally she cheers for that evil purple and yellow team from the other side of the river. But I'm hoping that the more time she spends with us Wisconsinites that she'll soften to the idea of cheering for the Packers, right? That would be a way we'd be influenced by our friends. But, but seriously, if we look back at our life, I'm sure each one of us could think of a time or times when we pick up the attitudes, the nuances, even the clothing styles of the people that we spend time with. And parents know exactly how this works with their kids. What does a parent say to their child, their son or daughter, before they leave for school? Make good friends today, right? Or what do we say when, when someone ventures down the wrong path and gets into some trouble? We'd say, well, they got involved with the wrong group of friends, There aren't too many things that cause a a parent more stress than their child's choice in friends. And when a child chooses wisely, a mom or dad kind of has a healthy sense of pride. And if that's how an earthly parent feels, imagine how our Heavenly Father feels about our choice in friends. He desires that you, He desires that I choose wisely in this area of our life. And if you're taking notes uh, this morning, that's our first takeaway when it comes to wisdom and friendship, choose wisely choose wisely. 
So a wise choice in a friend is first and foremost someone who's a follower of Christ. If our closest friends are not followers of Christ, then they'll pull us in the wrong direction. It's like gravity. It's a lot easier to pull someone down than it is to lift someone up. And we need to surround ourselves with people who aren't going to pull us in the wrong direction. So we have to intentionally surround ourselves with people who are followers of Christ. That inner circle, that, that group of people that know us the best, the ones that ask us the difficult questions, the one that we let into the cracks and the crevices of our life, maybe the men in our accountability group or the women in our women's Bible study, the person we call our best friend, the couple that we go to to hang out with all the time, that person, those people need to be Christians. And that close inner circle, it's probably not very big. It might be a couple of people, three, four, five friends. But if our friends within that circle are not followers of Christ, then it's going to be easy for us to be influenced in the wrong direction. And there might be someone hearing this this morning that maybe there's friends within that inner circle that aren't yet followers of Christ. I think it'd be wise not to just abandon those friends, but to over time gradually make some decisions to fill that inner circle, fill our closest friends with followers of Christ. I like to think of friendship in terms of concentric circles. That, that first smallest circle is our closest friends, and then you go out a circle, and maybe that'd be friends in, in general, and then the next circle would be acquaintances. So if that inner circle is Christians, then our next circle should be filled with all different types of people. Because we don't want to use this as an excuse to live our life in a Christian bubble. And that can be easy sometimes. Coming to church, going to Bible study, just having Christian friends and, and being involved with a Christian family. Be easy not to develop relationships with people that aren't Christians. And it's important that we develop relationships with people who don't know Christ to fulfill our call as Christians to go into all the world and make disciples to help people know Christ. Because if our inner circle is filled with just Christians, then those next circles can be filled with strategic relationships with maybe a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a running buddy, a lifting partner, people that we can spend time with with the purpose, with the goal of seeing them decide to follow Christ. We can pray for their salvation. Our life should not be lived in a Christian bubble. But then maybe someone has the reverse problem. Maybe someone's life isn't a Christian bubble, but, but life is the opposite. Outside of coming to church, someone could have minimal Christian influence in their life. Maybe work is especially toxic or someone doesn't live in a Christian family. You know, for that person, choosing friends wisely could mean joining a life group, joining a men's or women's Bible study, asking someone to mentor them, taking that step to develop a friendship. And for some of us, just the idea of making a new friend makes our palms sweat. It makes us a little nervous but we have to remember that these Proverbs, they're not telling us to take this new initiative to be popular. They're not asking us to make 15 new friends because we see a theme throughout the book of Proverbs that friendships need to be deep rather than wide. Our friendships need substance and death, depth. And that's our second takeaway this morning. Love deeply. Love deeply. Listen to these words from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, as humans, we might have this internal desire to be popular, to be well-liked. And that's not a bad thing. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. But that's not the type of friendship that the book of Proverbs is talking about. Because it's possible for us to be known or to know everyone without being known by anyone. 
In other words, someone's relationships could be a mile wide and an inch deep. And that's exactly why this proverb says a man of many companions can come to ruin, because that person might not have any deep, meaningful, and lasting relationships. And as friends, we should focus on depth, depth, there we go, rather than width. Earlier uh, this week, uh, I was doing some dishes in our kitchen and was cleaning our food processor. Uh, And you know, I love to eat peanut butter. I don't love to clean peanut butter. And uh, peanut butter was all in our food processor, and it took me forever to clean the peanut butter out of the food processor because peanut butter is sticky. And we need to be what I'll call sticky friends, peanut butter friends, friends that are faithful, friends that are loyal, friends that don't let uh, uh, distance impact our friendship, friends that don't let our friends push us out of their, their life when things get busier, friends that don't let our friends push us out of their life when maybe there's some sin in their heart and, and they're trying to escape. We need to be a faithful friend. That's why I love this passage. This is a friend sticks closer than a brother. Right? We need to be a sticky friend. And being a sticky friend is most important when our friends are going through trials and struggles. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I love that word all. Friend loves not sometimes, not most times, not when it's just convenient for them. No, a friend loves at all times. The second half of that verse, uh, brother and friend are used synonymously. So when we're going through a struggle, when we're going through a trial, we find out who our true friends are. Because a true friend doesn't run away when we're going through adversity, but true friends lean in and come in even closer when the tough times come. Fairweather friends are kind of like fairweather fans. A fairweather fan knows the stats, cheers, buys all the merchandise when things are going well. But when that team loses five games in a row, then the fairweather fan goes and finds a new team. And a sports team doesn't want a fair-weather fan, and we don't want a fair-weather friend. We want faithful friends, friends that don't find a new friend when we're going through something tough, because a true friend is born for adversity. And this is the type of friend we want in our lives. But it's easy when we hear something like this to think of one, two, five people that need to be more faithful to me, that need to be a better friend to me. But that's out of our control this morning. Our goal is to examine our own hearts and ask, how can I be, how can we be more faithful friends to one another? And being a faithful friend means that we love one another deeply through loyalty and through sacrifice. And Jesus is the prime example of this type of friendship. It reminds me of what he said in John chapter 15. Right within the week that Jesus was about to die, he said this to his disciples. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I made known to you. Imagine how impactful those words were to Jesus' disciples after he died on the cross for them and after Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice, his life for his friends. If we're Christians here today, then we've experienced friendship at the deepest level because Christ laid down his life for us. And that increases our capacity to love 
one another. Now, granted, you and I might not have the opportunity to take a bullet for one of our closest friends this morning, but we have to understand what Jesus is saying, that we need to be quick to sacrifice for our friends, that if we have a friend in the hospital, we're quick to, to drive down the hill to Aspirus and go visit them. Or if one of our friends loses their job, we're first in line to go buy them groceries. If their kids are struggling in school, then we're quick to listen and hear them out and pray for them. When one of our friend's parents passes away, then we'll go to the funeral, we'll write him a card, we'll pray for them, and we'll follow up. We need to be quick to sacrifice for our friends because that's what true friendship is. But adversity, it plays an even deeper role in our friendships because a brother or sister is not just born for adversity, but a brother or a sister is born in adversity. Because when we go through a struggle or a trial, that can be the foundation for a shared experience in a relationship with another brother or a sister. And maybe you've experienced this in your own life. You know, I remember a number of years ago, I was serving at a Christian camp for part of a summer with some friends from college. We were kind of camp counselors and uh, leading worship there. And it was a really tough summer for the eight of us. Uh, the weather was really hot. The work the workload was really high. We hardly got any days off. All of us got sick at some point in the summer, and a lot of different things came together that just made it a, a difficult environment. But what that did is that created this common bond between the eight of us that resulted in some lasting relationships, so much so that one of the guys from that group uh, was in my wedding last month, and then one of the other guys, I'll be in his wedding next month, because the common bond of a struggle can bring us closer together. And God uses adversity for the foundation of those relationships. So when that storm comes into our own lives, maybe we just need to look around and see who's walking with us because that person could be our new closest friend. And one of the best ways to build those type of friendships is to serve, to be involved in doing things like working with the junior high boys in GUN80 or, or being a MOPS uh, mentor mom, serving and teaching in children's church. Because serving isn't always easy, and it can provide that foundation necessary to build our relationship uh, with other people. So if someone isn't serving yet at Highland, that would be a great way to invest in relationships with one another. Because when we don't serve the body of Christ, we rob ourselves of friendships and relationships with one another. Now, regardless of how our friendship began or where it's going, friendships are a gift from God, and He calls us to steward them with faithfulness. And that's our third takeaway this morning. Invest faithfully. Invest faithfully. And again, that truth comes from uh, our main proverb this morning, Proverbs 17, 17, which says this, A friend loves at all times, and brother is born for adversity. Loving our friends at all times means that we invest in them with faithfulness, not just when things are convenient for us, but we invest in those relationships all the time. And I think there's three aspects to this takeaway. The first is that we need to pursue intentionality. You know, one of the biggest hindrances to pursuing intentionality in our friendships is this, the smartphone. How often are we talking to someone and all of a sudden the smartphone comes out and it distracts us from the conversation that's happening? Maybe it's happened to you where someone's talking to you and all of a sudden they go, oh, look, I just got a Snapchat from my brother, right? How frustrating is that when that happens? Because we feel like that, that person is saying, yeah, my phone is more important than you are. And when I do that, I allow something that could be put off until later to distract me from the thing that really matters, the person who's right in front of my face. 
And sometimes the best thing that I can do for my friendships is to take that phone and put it in my backpack, to put it in my pocket, take my iPhone and put it on Do Not Disturb. And if you have an iPhone and don't know what Do Not Disturb is, ask someone under the age of 30 and they'll be able to help you out, right? (laughs) But it's a great tool to not be so distracted by our technology. Even in our homes, we could do some practical things like no technology in the bedroom or no technology on on Sundays. Let's not bring our phones to the family dinner table because that fantasy football league and my Twitter feed and, and Snapchat and Instagram and all of those things, they can be so distracting and they can prevent us from investing in relationships with the people that are right around us. Even more broadly, we could put our phones away when we're in line at the grocery store or when we're picking our kids up from school or uh, from lessons. Because yes, our phones can be a great crutch in an awkward social situation when we just don't want to talk to people. But when we do that, we rob ourselves of a good conversation and we rob others of seeing Christ's love demonstrated through us. So sometimes the best thing we can do to be intentional is to just put our phones down. But technology isn't all bad, right? And uh, we can even use technology for our advantage in our relationships. I have a friend uh, from California who still sends me a text once a week at least with what God's teaching him as he spends time in his word. And I'm not talking about a Bible verse with a a sentence, right? This is a paragraph, and it's thought through, and and it's meaningful. And he's reminding me that we can use technology to our advantage in our friendships, whether that's shooting a friend a text and saying, hey, I'm praying for you today, or doing a YouVersion devotional Bible study with some other guys in our accountability group. We can use technology to our advantage in our friendships. But even beyond technology, we still need to pursue intentionality in how we use our time in our friendships, especially those within our our inner circle of friends. Because if our, our inner circle of friends, if they're Christians, that's a great thing. But if all we talk about is Brewers baseball and the weather and our kids and our jobs, right, we're not being intentional. We need to be intentional to, to have spiritual conversations with our friends. And you know, that isn't always natural. It doesn't always feel easy, but it can start with one really simple question. How can I pray for you? When was the last time we, we asked one of our friends that question? And did we actually pray for them? And then did we follow up a couple days or a week later to ask them how they were doing? Having spiritual conversations can just start by praying with and for our friends. Well, I was a senior in college, went running with a good friend of mine a couple times a week. You know, instead of just shooting the breeze while we ran, uh, he had this great idea. Why don't we memorize scripture together as we run? So we took a three by five card and would write a passage on the card, stick it in our pocket. It would get all sweaty and gross. And we were running down the road. We would pull out that sticky three by five card and we'd quiz each other and we memorize scripture. You know, and before I sound like the hero, that was not my idea. A hundred percent my friend's idea. Uh, but I was so thankful for his intentionality uh, and wanting to have a, a spiritual aspect to our friendship. So whether it's praying for one another, whether it's memorizing Scripture, whether it's just talking about what God's teaching us, let's pursue intentionality with our time as it comes to our relationships. You know, another way we can invest in our friends faithfully uh, is by practicing forgiveness. I appreciate this verse from Proverbs 17, verse 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. What's the author saying here? That friends forgive. 
And you and I, we understand forgiveness through what Christ did for us. I love this passage from Romans chapter 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because before Christ, you and I were not good people. We do not deserve that kind of grace. But through Christ, we can have new life. Through Christ, all of our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. That's incredible. And when we think about how much Christ has forgiven us individually, it puts horizontal forgiveness in perspective. In other words, there's no way that anyone could sin against us as grievously as we have sinned against Christ. It was my sin, it was your sin that nailed Christ to the cross. So when a brother or sister sins against us, And we're called, we're asked because of what Christ has done for us to extend forgiveness to them. And I appreciate how this passage explains forgiveness, covering an offense, not repeating the matter. You know, in these terms, then, the opposite of forgiveness is gossip. And gossip is one of the most unloving things that we can participate in. But it's so easy. I mean, how often do we hear things or say things like, oh, you won't believe what this person just did? Or... Did you hear what, what, I, what, what I heard about so-and-so? Or, you know, I really love this person, but they really messed up here. Those are easy conversations for us to participate in. But when we forgive someone, we're saying that we won't hold their sin against them. When we forgive someone, we're saying that we're not going to repeat the sin anymore. Because gossip can destroy a relationship in 10 seconds. That has taken 10 years to build. So we need to run the opposite direction when gossip is anywhere close to the conversation. So when someone asks the question, did you hear about so-and-so, we need to do our best to dismiss it and change the conversation. Or if we just find ourselves in the middle of a negative conversation while at work, then maybe we could bring up some positive qualities or attributes about uh, the person that they're talking about. Or if the person we're talking to is a, a really close friend, then maybe we confront the gossip and, and we, just, we change the conversation. Because as Christians, we need to be diffusers, not contributors to gossip. Hmm. And when we invest in our friends faithfully, the, the third aspect of this takeaway, we embrace correction. We embrace correction. I appreciate these words from Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. It says this, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. You know, apparently a dull knife is even more dangerous than a sharp knife because when the knife is dull, we end up pushing too hard and the knife slips, cuts our finger, and we end up at the walking clinic getting stitches. Right? We need a sharp knife. And the proverb is telling us that we need friends to keep us sharp. We need friends that keep us on our A-game. And this ongoing process of being sharpened, it's not an easy one. It's not a comfortable one. But without this type of friend, we become a dull and ineffective knife. We become receptive to this type of sharpening when we embrace correction. Because I am not always right, and unfortunately you aren't either. So we need to be people who know how to receive constructive criticism. Let's ask for feedback. Let's humbly welcome rebuke. Instead of surrounding ourselves with people who tell us 
what we want to hear, like a cheerleader. We need to surround ourselves with people who tell us what we need to hear, like a good coach or mentor. Later in Proverbs 20, or early in Proverbs 27, the author says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Let's be people who welcome these wounds from our friends. Husbands, we can ask our wives things like, how can I more faithfully serve you? How can I more faithfully sacrifice for you? What can I do to grow? We could ask our closest friends, what blind spots do you see in my life? What areas do you see that I need to grow in? And when we ask the question, then we bite our tongue and we listen. We don't react. We don't respond. We don't grimace, but we listen and we learn how to receive constructive criticism, especially from the people we love the most. No, not just receiving constructive criticism, but we also know how to, we need to know how to have those difficult conversations with our friends. The author of Proverbs says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, and there's a right and a wrong way to provide this sort of feedback. And when I think about difficult conversations, I like to think of them in terms of making a good sandwich. Let me explain. The meat of the constructive criticism needs to be surrounded by two pieces of encouraging bread. So it goes like this. Pastor Jared, I appreciate your passion for sports, but you have chosen the wrong team in the Chicago Cubs. I think you'd make a great Milwaukee Brewers fan. That's a good sandwich. But, but seriously, these conversations go better when we use encouragement on either side. It could look something like this. Scott, I appreciate our time together, but you've just been way more critical uh, lately. Can we talk about what's going on? Or, Stephanie, you're, you're so intentional when we spend time together, but I feel like you've been on your phone more, and I would just, I'd love to, to have that good time with you. Can we talk about what's going on in your life? Because sometimes being a faithful friend means that you and I need to have these difficult conversations with the people that we love the most. And those conversations need to happen with utmost humility and grace. So wisdom in our friendship means that we choose wisely, that we love deeply, that we invest faithfully. And sometimes our friendships can come in the most surprising ways. God can provide in some unique ways. Let me wrap up with a story. When I graduated from college, uh, I moved out to California, worked at a church out there for a couple years, uh, and I didn't know anyone and knew that I needed a friend but had no idea where that was going to come from. And at the same time, I was starting uh, a seminary class, my first seminary class on the spiritual disciplines. And one of the requirements for this class was that I needed an accountability partner. Now, if I'm going to be honest, I was not very happy with this professor because I thought accountability relationships, they need to be natural. They can't be forced. I'm moving to a new area. I don't know anyone. Why are you forcing me to do this? It didn't make sense. But I wanted to pass the class. So I was thinking, okay, who could I, who could I ask to, to be my accountability partner? Um, and there's this guy that I met when I interviewed a couple months earlier, and we kind of hit it off. So uh, we went and got wings that week, went to Buffalo Wild Wings. And at the end of the, the meal said something like, hey, you know, I'm taking this class, don't really want to do this, this is kind of weird, but I need an accountability partner. Would you be willing to meet once a week and just talk about what God's doing in our lives? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, wow, I've been praying for that. And my heart kind of dropped as I realized that my motivation was totally wrong. But what God did through that is he provided a faithful friend that I, I still have today, even though my motivation was less than ideal. 
Because God knows our heart. He knows what we need. He knows that we need friends. And if we're here today saying, yeah, I, I need more of that in my life, then let's pray. And let's ask God that he provides that friend in our life. But when we say amen, let's open our eyes and look around because that person might already be in our life. And we need to take the step to be a more faithful friend. Let's pray. Father, it's been good to open your word this morning and hear some wisdom from the book of Proverbs on what biblical friendship, what wise friendship looks like, and help each one of us have that desire for true, deep, gospel-centered friendships with one another. And even as we go through our week, help us ask the question in our own life, how can I, how can we be more faithful in our friendship? So God, we trust you in this area of our life. We know that you know our heart, and we ask that you'll provide us with the relationships that, we, that you know that we need. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.